This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everyone, thanks for listening in as always today on Green Living Ideas Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, Editor-in-Chief of GreenLivingIdeas.com. And our topic for the show today is the Energy Star Program, which is a joint program of the U.S. EPA and the U.S. Department of Energy, which is designed to help us uh, save money and protect the environment uh, through energy-efficient products and practices. And here to talk with us about that is uh, an authority on this topic, uh, who is Wendy Reed, the Campaign Manager for the U.S. EPA. Wendy, welcome. Hi, thank you. So, well, tell us, you know, Energy Star is something that we've talked quite a bit on this show about, and it also comes up a lot in terms of the content and articles and tips on, on the website. And I think one of the problems is that there's an assumption out there that everybody knows what Energy Star is, and I, I think that that's a false assumption, and it's important to go back and revisit the, the basic premise of what, what Energy Star is all about. So maybe you can just start there with us. You bet. Well, basically, uh, the blue Energy Star label uh, is the government seal of energy efficiency, not unlike the uh, good housekeeping seal on products. When you see this blue label, this government label on a product, you know that you're seeing the most energy efficient product on the market. Um, You'll also find the Energy Star on actually on entire homes or buildings. Really, so, yeah, and in my early experiences with it were, was with regards to, because I, I previously had a career in IT, and so I, I saw it with regards to computer equipment and such, and then, then realized that I guess it's really it's really grown, or sort of my vision of it grew as I saw it in other places, in home appliances and washers and dryers and dishwashers and things like that. Yeah, um, well, we've really expanded the program since 1992 when it started on computers, and now it's on more than 50 different products, um, including what you've just mentioned, all the major appliances, heating and cooling equipment, even light bulbs can earn the Energy Star. Hmm. Interesting, and I understand all things like windows as well now are, are in that. Yeah, that's imagine. right. Yeah. Well, so just tell us, I mean, I think in terms of the most bang for the buck, oh, actually, before we even get to that, I wanted to ask you about the specifics of the program itself. What, what does something, and I realize there's 50 different categories, there's probably many answers to this question, but picking any example, tell us a little bit about what the requirements are and what would be the difference between a non-Energy Star compliant uh, appliance and one that is. What, what's like the, the percentage differential or improvement in efficiency? Well, you nailed it from in your question. Um, it's going to differ from each product because each product is, is inherently different about where you can gain um, efficiencies. Mm-hmm. But the, the basic gist is that um, to earn the Energy Star, a product has to exceed federal guidelines for energy efficiency by a set amount. Um, and basically that's something we determine in conversation with manufacturers out there, how far can we raise the bar? and still have products available for people when they go out there and look for the Energy Star label on it. Right, right, exactly, yeah. Cause, well, so, and I'm also curious about, in terms of the different categories that I, that I see on your website for Energy Star, wh- which areas do you think bring sort of the greatest leverage, most bang for the buck, that people that are listening into this podcast and visiting the website can, can be starting with? 
Well, you know, that's a, there's, there's actually a number of ways to answer that question. It's, um, it's going to be a combination of purchasing Energy Star qualified products and then taking additional steps around those products to save energy at home. And what I mean by that is, for example, um, an obvious place to start trying to save energy is, is uh, with heating and cooling your home because about half of what you pay every year, which on average is about $2,000 in energy costs, um, goes towards heating and cooling your home. So I'd like to be able to say, well, it's just as simple as just replacing that old air conditioning system and furnace in your basement uh, with an Energy Star qualified one, and voila, you're going to save, you know, a certain amount. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, we recommend that people start, for example, with when it comes to heating and cooling your home with sealing up some uh, gaps and cracks um, first in your home's envelope. That's like adding insulation to your attic or sealing up um, some, some cracks in your basement, especially in unfinished areas of your home that you may be paying extra to heat and cool, but nobody's benefiting from. Mm-hmm. So heating and cooling, and then it, taking a step beyond heating and cooling, what would be the next biggest area you think would to, to hit? Uh, the next biggest area um, that's going to be the simplest and also the cheapest <laughs> with the biggest reward would be your lighting. Mm-hmm. Most people are kind of surprised by that because they don't think that lighting accounts for a whole lot of your total energy package, but it's actually about 20% or one-fifth of your uh, electric bill. And because uh, Energy Star qualified lighting, um, and, and usually what we're talking about there is compact fluorescent light bulbs, use 75% less energy than their standard counterparts, there's a lot of efficiency that can be gained. Yeah, and now what about, do you, do you know anything about LED lighting as well? And that's something that's gotten very popular of late. Well, there's a lot of talk about LED lighting, and I think, um, you know, the first place that we're going to see people really using it in their homes is with uh, holiday string lights, so like your Christmas lights. Uh Um, And, in fact, the Energy Star is going to be found on those uh, starting as early as as this holiday season coming to your home. (laughs) Well, that's good. That does tend to be just anecdotally, personally, from personal. I I always look forward to getting my February energy bill because it's the first time the pain stops. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. uh, so it's, you know that'll be the first place, but um, and unfortunately, most you know LEDs are really not ready for prime time when it comes to just your standard light bulb, unless you're willing to pay a lot for it. And even so, you're not going to find them at your you know the average place where you buy light bulbs yet. We've we've all got our fingers crossed that they'll come out sooner than later. But it, it's I would say they're at least two to five years away. Okay, so this is really we're in early adopter time on that technology. Exactly. Where you'll probably find them more on dedicated lighting, and what I mean by that is there's things like the the holiday string lights, or um, say an entire fixture like a porch light would be it would be hardwired with LED technology. Right. Okay. And I know that you mentioned the 20% as probably an average figure in the residential. And I've even heard a lot of commercial, in commercial applications, that it can be as high as 40% or, or mm-hmm. even higher in, in mm-hmm. many cases. So, and I'm curious about, we, you know, and I, I know personally I've done a lot with the CFLs and, and there's a lot of uh, airtime given to, to compact fluorescent light technology. Uh, in, in applications where that's not possible, like there's low voltage lighting or things like that, what, what are some of the other lighting technologies that people might be able to use where, where CFLs aren't applicable? Well, there are a couple of things that you can do. Uh, one is you can put your lighting on a dimmer switch. Um, when it's dimmed down, it's using less energy. Um, and, you know, that works for some places where you don't need as much light and you want to create an ambiance. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also put your lighting on a timer 
on a motion sensor is if we're talking about an outdoor application, so it's just not a security light isn't on all night long. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that, in fact, we've done in our own home it, where we can't yet replace with uh, compact fluorescent lighting, for example, we have track lighting that's halogen in our basement. Uh, well, we discovered we didn't need the full light output there, and so we actually took out the middle light on the, on the track. Okay. So now when we turn on the lights, there's two instead of three halogens that are on, and that was one of the ways we saved, and we never felt a difference in the light output. Great. Well, those are, those are definitely good tips. Um, I'm, I'm curious, too, just if you don't mind going back to something else we were talking about, about heating and cooling, since that is, uh, you described it as being the, sort of the number one area mm-hmm. in terms of leverage. And, and you talked about you know, heating and cooling more efficiently. And I mean, can you give us any specific tips about how we would go about that? Yes. Well, again, the first place to start is to, to seal up some gaps and cracks that you may have in your home. And um, the first and most logical places are in your attic and in your basement. So that would be adding rolled or blown insulation into your attic or crawl spaces. Um, if you can, into some of the walls. That tends to be harder as a retrofit <laughs> if you already have your home. True. And um, you can actually use expandable foam in exposed areas in, um, in a basement uh, between the ceiling and um, the, the um, blocks at the top of the ceiling there. And, again, that's more in unfinished areas. So that's a, a good starting place. You also uh, mentioned windows. That's another place that most people don't think that that's related to heating and cooling, but it's all related because in the home envelope, that we like to talk about because it's all about your comfort. If you're getting lots of drafts in your house, you may turn up your thermostat a few notches in the uh, wintertime because you're getting chilled. So there's a direct correlation. So if your windows are are drafty, you can either opt to replace them, which is a a good investment because the energy savings, if, if they really are really drafty, can be tremendous. But if you're not ready to do that, you can seal around, um, seal up, you know, cracks around the frame with invisible mm-hmm. caulking. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, around wind, I'm sorry, around doors, you can use weather stripping around, you know, the bottom and, and the sides to just tighten that up a little bit. And another area, being having a technology background, I'm always into it, where, where technology can help with these things. And I know that there are, and I think you mentioned programmable thermostats, and that, there, there's a wide range there. And I know that there's, we've had people on, on this program, actually, as interviewees, uh, who have represent companies that do products such as, you know, he, human-centric. You mentioned lights and detection of, you know, people in terms of throwing light, but also there are systems out there uh, that actually detect where people are in the home or intelligently uh, distribute heating and cooling throughout the home. Um, are, are any of those part of the Energy Star program? Not yet. Um, that's an interesting approach. Um, you know, that you can do that even without the technology. You can do zoning in your house and open and close registers. Mm-hmm. For example, if there's certain rooms in your house uh, that you know, just frankly just aren't occupied all that much, right. if ever, um, there's no reason to be paying to heat or cool that space. So you can, you can certainly close the registers. And I like that. That's a good tip because, you know, I'm sure, and I don't know, I haven't investigated the, the cost to the dollar of those other systems. They may be a little, I expect they're probably a little bit pricier, and you bring up a good point that there is sort of the, the poor man's way of doing that and still gaining those benefits of, you know, if you're not in a certain room, why are you, why is that vent open and why are you yeah. cooling or heating it? Yeah, and the same goes, frankly, for programmable thermostats. And they're a wonderful addition for um, families that have routines and don't want to think about turning up and down the thermostat. But the truth is, with, even with a manual thermostat, you can get the same savings, but you just have to be more aware. Yeah. 
You just need to do it yourself. That's right. Yeah, you just have to, to maintain it more, uh, and you know, to hopefully people aren't aren't treating their programmable thermostats like people treated uh, the the clocks on VCRs for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> don't please don't put it on permanent hold. It will right. not save you any energy. Don't let it blink twelve zero zero. <laughs> do, do you have any other tips for us about uh, replacing air conditioners or furnaces? Since again, this seems to be the, the big area. Yes, definitely. Well, once you've, you've t- you know, again, this is all, you know, assuming in a perfect world your AC or your furnace did not break down and you're just going straight into replacing it, you know, start first by sealing up your home, getting all those drafts taken care of. Then when you're ready to replace your old system, and when I say old, that's between 10 and 15 years old, and we recommend replacing both the AC and the furnace at the same time because you're just going to save money mm-hmm. uh, that way. Uh, make sure that you get a good contractor who's licensed and um, preferably is what we call NATE certified. That means someone who knows how to do all the right calculations to get the right size of the system for your home. And frankly, if you start by sealing up those, those um, cracks in your home, you may actually be able to get a smaller capacity system installed and save yourself a little bit of cash that way. Um, so again, you know, replacing with an, uh, replacing your old system with a high efficiency unit, um, and, and you can find the Energy Star on both air conditioners and furnaces is a good way to go when you're ready. Okay, well, and the Nate certification is something I had not personally heard of before. Um, do you have a? Sorry to put you on the spot. Do you have a website URL that maybe um, people can type in to go and maybe hopefully find a, a locator for people that are Nate certified? You know, I actually don't know the website offhand, but it's uh, it's North American Technical Excellence is what it stands for. You can probably simply go to energystar.gov and click on heating and cooling, and we'll have a link from there. Okay, well, great, and certainly, if and I'm sure you probably do, and also Google, certainly Googling it, uh, and yes. we'll, we'll try to get it up on, on our website as well in our links section, so uh, subsequent to this podcast. Great. So can you tell us about Energy Star uh, rebates and tax credits, if any, what's available out there for people? Yes, and uh, the Energy Star program itself is actually not offering any um, tax credits or rebates, but the way this is working is that um, with regard to rebates, uh, Energy Star partner utilities across the country oftentimes offer rebates on a variety of different products. Mostly you'll find it on major appliances like a, a clothes washer or a dishwasher, that kind of thing, or light bulbs and fixtures, uh, sometimes high-efficiency air conditioning and um, furnaces or boilers. But, again, those are offered by utility companies across the country. You can go to energystar.gov, and we have a search feature there to search for rebates to see if you have them in your area. Or you can just call your local utility and and see if they're offering any rebates on Energy Star qualified products. Uh, With regard to tax credits, um, under the Energy Bill, uh, the federal government is offering tax credits on a variety of different products. And Energy Star is one factor that's been taken into consideration for those. But actually, for example, there's a tax credit on really high-efficiency air conditioning and furnaces. And it doesn't start at the base level of Energy Star, but a little higher up the chain. So you'll want to check and see what the efficiency levels are for that. Adding insulation can also be a factor that you can get um, a tax credit for and even, you know, solar panels um, and the like. But the maximum that you can get is $500 in tax credits over a two-year period. And I believe that this offer is um, expiring at the end of this year. But you can find more on energystar.gov off of our main page at the bottom um, about that. Okay. Well, certainly then people out there uh, take advantage before December because these things, uh, as we see, we've seen it with solar initiatives and 
places like California where they, they don't last forever. So take advantage. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, and this is one of the functions of, of you know green going mainstream, which we all need and want, um, is that you know these things start to become assumed, which is a good thing. Uh, so there is we've talked about pain for early adopters, but there's also benefits in some cases. So. That's true. Yeah. So I understand that you guys are about to launch a, a campaign called Change a Light, Change the World. Uh, that's starting in early October. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can participate? Absolutely. Uh, that's that's the campaign that I run. The Energy Star Change a Light, Change the World campaign aims to encourage every single American to change at least one light in their home to one that's earned the Energy Star. And um, the way that uh, they can let us know they're part of this uh, nationwide movement is by taking our online pledge. And you, they can do that, actually, uh, from a link from energystar.gov. And we're really excited because already more than 800,000 people across the country have joined. And um, we're excited about that because it shows that people are coming together, taking this as a, as a first step, of course, uh, to saving energy and showing that we're all in this together to fight global warming. Yeah. Well, great. Well, wonderful. Well, I certainly appreciate you being on the program with us today. Uh, it's been certainly informative, and um, we would love to have you back again sometime if you'd be interested in joining us. Absolutely. Great. Well, Wendy Reed, who is the campaign manager for the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, has been my guest today. And Wendy, thanks again. Thank you so much. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.